Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Stephanie Malloy. Stephanie is the golf coach at the Golf Performance Center located in Ridgefield, Connecticut. She's also the vice president of the Playground Golf Foundation. She's a U.S. Kids Golf Certified Coach. And last but not least, she's also a former collegiate golfer at Central Connecticut State University. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Russ. I'm happy to be here. So, Stephanie, you, know, you, you obviously had a huge, long introduction there. Maybe kind of break it down for the listeners. Give us an idea as to maybe kind of what fueled your passion for the sport of golf, your background education, and ultimately the, the multiple hats you wear in the golf space. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I'll start at the beginning, I guess. So I started playing golf young at five years old. I didn't get competitive with golf till about 12, 13 years old, okay. which I think is best now in hindsight and looking back just because my father introduced me to everything, which is great because my philosophy, and I think it's your philosophy too, it's train the athlete and really get them ready and their body ready and then specialize a little bit later in life. Golf afforded us the opportunity to travel. I'm originally from New York, so the tri-state area, we went to tournaments and stuff everywhere, and then eventually led me to play college golf and meet lifelong friends and get to travel the world, essentially. That's awesome. You know, I think, too, you know, the sport of golf, and I think athletics in general allows you the opportunity to meet people that maybe you, you hadn't met if you weren't doing travel or doing stuff like that, but also you know, some of these people that you meet end up being really close friends in the long run. And I think that's a, a, an experience that unfortunately with the pandemic and stuff going on, social distancing and stuff like that, like, unfortunately, I think a lot of these kids are, are not being able to experience that because of what's going on currently. Exactly right. Stephanie, tell us maybe a little bit more about kind of your collegiate experience, right? So, you know, I think the important part that I think a lot, of, we, we always try and tell our listeners are, you know, you always want to train and be athletic, right? If you can, be athletic, then I think that'll help translate to whatever sport you want to play, right? And I think the the idea of specificity and things like that, that can be for another podcast. But I think the the later you can try and specialize, I think the better your body can handle some of that specialization. But early on, I think it's important to try and, again, try it as much as you can and then kind of see what sticks. So, you know, in your experience, maybe kind of tell us a little bit about what you did at Central Connecticut State University, right? Tell us, you know, were your parents big into the golf space? You know, did they really kind of maybe force your hand in terms of wanting you to play golf at, at the next level? Maybe kind of just break, break that down for us. Yeah, of course. So my parents didn't force me into golf at all, which I think is, was really great. My father, like I said earlier, he introduced me to the sport and introduced me to everything. And I'm going to be totally honest and transparent here with you. We didn't really have the money to kind of afford certain colleges and traveling. And I think once I was introduced to golf, I kind of realized the opportunity for a scholarship at a young age, at 15, 16 years old, obviously comes with working really hard to uh, achieve those scores for what it takes to play division one. But yeah. 
that's kind of like how I how I started, and I'm competitive too. If I'm being sure, honest, never hurts. Yeah. Once I started playing competitively uh, and started winning, that that was nice, and I was like, oh, I really I really like this game, and I think just a bigger picture into it. It's just the mastery mindset in a way like golf offers something that other sports don't. It's the continual learning and uh, striving to always be better and, and not just in your golf game in life and your, and your mental game and decisions in your health and your performance in the gym. That's kind of at least just where I started with there with college golf team golf was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life because Golf in general is obviously individual, but when you get to college and it's, it's more than that, you have to perform as a team. So when you go away on tournaments, it's really, it's really fun. Cause it, if you find out like one of the players on the team is not playing so well, you have to pick it up to eventually um, create the team score to be able to place or compete. Right. And at these tournaments, there's 10 to 15 teams. So that, that's just different. And it's really fun. And it's, you know, when coaches can, can come up to you in the middle of a round and like, hey, you got to pick it up because one of your teammates just, you know, isn't doing well. It's it's a little different, which you don't have that when you play individually in tournaments. So I'm very grateful for that experience. Yeah, I think, you know, for again myself, I played recreationally. It wasn't, you know, I didn't play high school golf and play obviously at the collegiate level. But, you know, I think, you know, for the people that we've had conversations with who have, um, they really, they, they love the experience, right? Like being there for your team and being able to try and pick, you know, teammates up if they're not playing as well. Like, again, you know, as much as golf is an individual sport, when you play in a team, you know, kind of format, things definitely change, which is pretty cool. Exactly. I think too, just with the initiative that um, PGA of America has recently done with PGA yeah. League, I think is one of the best decisions they could have made too, because you're making an individual sport, a team sport now. And sure. just seeing the excitement on these kids' faces, wearing the jerseys, like every other sport, you're wearing jerseys right. and you're actually a part of the team. It, it just creates this different atmosphere. And, and I love seeing it with the kids. And that's also just the experience I had in college. So yeah, that's awesome. You know, I think too, if you can build that kind of camaraderie at a younger age and they can appreciate what team sports feels like, even though like we talked about golf is an individualized sport, um, it just helps them feel like they're, they're part of something bigger, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, maybe kind of let's talk about maybe the performance side. Like when you were in playing collegiate golf, you know, to maybe to kind of tell the listeners your experience of, you know, what your schedule kind of looked like. You know, did you guys train, you know, multiple days per week? You know, how did that look like? You know, did you have a strength coach? What was maybe like the performance aspects of golf like when you were in college? Sure. So I have on my notes here written down uh, to tell your listeners, get in the gym early and often. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually one thing I wish I did when I was younger. I don't think it was as prevalent for me coming up uh, in high school and in college. Like no one thought, oh, you have to kind of uh, get your body ready um, to play golf in college until really the Tiger Woods era with fitness and now kind of the new wave with, you know, Rory, look how big he is now. Justin Thomas, all of them are hitting the gym. So our schedule, that was kind of a wake up call for me when I went to college because we, <laughs> we had 5am lift sessions and sprinting on the football field, yeah. actual football workouts, I would say, <laughs> you know, four or five times a week with a recovery day. Uh, yeah. That's at least on the performance side. And then even academically too, you had uh, certain requirements with uh, study hall where yeah. you needed to be there, which in, again, in hindsight was really great because if you were struggling or needed assistant someone was there so you actually you are treated a little differently and a little bit better in my opinion as a student athlete so that's 
another thing to, to strive for if you are looking to play uh, golf or any sport in college. Yeah, I think, you know, again, so we're, we're I'm the strength coach at a, a local college here. Uh, and, you know, I think, unfortunately, when you look at the sport of golf, you know, people have a tendency to kind of just maybe kind of push it to the side a bit, right? And, um, you know, we train with the kids at 6 a.m. And, you know, again, I think it's an accountability thing too, right? I think, you know, as much as, uh, you know, maybe other sports are maybe kind of favored in, in the college's eyes, like you're still playing a collegiate sport, right? So I think the importance of one, being there for your teammates, being held accountable to get there in the morning. And again, let's be honest, college kids, they have to, they have to juggle a lot of roles, right? Academics, um, stress, sleep, socializing, all these different things. Like, you know, they're, they're, you know the, the college years are what you want to try and really truly value. And, um, you know, playing a collegiate sport, you know, such as golf, like that can only enhance that uh, experience if, if done correctly, right? So I think a lot of times, you know, strength coaches or just your regular, you know, you know, coaching themselves, setting a precedent and making sure that, you know, the team itself is held accountable with whatever it is. Like, I think that's a huge part of the culture that I think, you know, I think you're trying to build and we're trying to build with some of the stuff that we're doing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And looking back to just what, like during the time, why did we have 5am and 6am uh, workouts? But I am so grateful for them because <laughs> when you think about it, when are your tea times? Like when you go play in tournaments, right. they're 8 a.m. and you need to be at the range at 7 a.m. I mean, you can't really just yeah. roll out of bed at that point. So I think if you create the habit in college to <laughs> get your body warmed up and, you know, stretched out and just get in that right mindset, I, I think you're forming the, the best habit. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think, too, like kids kind of, they groan at the 6 a.m., the 5 a.m. training session, right? But at the same point in time, in order for them to truly kind of get the college experience, like, and especially too, when they practice, they have to be at the course at maybe three, four, four thirty, depending on what time. So you can't train at that point in time. Right. So that's why, you know, I think coach uh, that we work with, he's like, Hey, listen, let's get the workouts in, get them done, get them in the right frame of mind for the day. And they can get off to, to school and, and maybe, maybe be a little bit sharper as opposed to just rolling out of bed, going to class, either in person or virtually, whatever that is now. Right. And uh, again, it's just a different experience. Right. And that's champions win when they do that. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, okay. always, there's always going to be someone better than you, but if you're lacking the talent, you can outwork them and you can outwork them in the gym mentally and yeah. practice sessions and, and playing, of course. But yeah. Absolutely. No question. You, you get what you put into it, right? That's what I, I tell our, I tell our kids that all the time. I'm like, listen, you put on the work, it's going to show. Right. But if you don't put in the work and, you know, again, for instance, like with the offseason kind of, again, with them going back on, on winter break now, they're going to be gone for an extended amount of time. Like, listen, we're, when you come back, we're going to test you. And if we're going to find out whether or not you did the work or whether or not you didn't. So I think, you know, the numbers don't lie when it comes to that. Yeah. They'll appreciate that a few years. Yeah, for sure. Right. They might not like it in the, in the, in the time. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, uh, Stephanie, so tell us maybe a little bit about more the the Playground Golf Foundation. Right. So. Um, this is something that I was really kind of interested to kind of have a conversation with you about because I don't, I'm not overly familiar with it. So maybe kind of tell the listeners a little bit about it. Sure. So I'm the vice president of the Playground Golf Foundation. It's a not-for-profit organization that essentially it, it's golf in schools, but it targets it's more underprivileged kids or people that might not have thought about golf. I, we kind of talked about this earlier and kids with disabilities potentially, and it's actually bringing the equipment to the schools, introducing them to it because 
it's getting rid of that mindset that the sport is elitist and you have to have money and you have to go to the country club to actually play it. This kind of breaks down all those barriers. So we, we utilize snag equipment and short golf equipment. So um, we raise money for that stuff to be able to actually take PGA and LPGA professionals to pay them to go into schools and actually teach kids the right way to, because that's the thing with golf. You kind of need some of the mechanics to actually understand the game and, and like the game really. Sure. <laughs> so we have that. And then uh, uh, we host tournaments too, charity tournaments. And it's right now it's uh, throughout the Hudson Valley, but hopefully expanding and getting bigger. That's awesome. You know, I think, like you said, you know, a lot of, a lot of times golf can be, you know, looked at as like an elitist type of sport, right? Like, hey, you need a significant amount of disposable income in order to play. And uh, you need all these different clubs and you need all these different accessories and all these different clothes. And, you know, I think a lot of times kids at a young age, they, they maybe kind of shy away from that because of that, right? But something like Playground Golf Foundation, like that can go a long way and maybe kind of fueling the passion for kids at a young age to, to understand the sport, but to have, have them kind of fall in love with the sport because they actually learned it at a young age too. That's exactly it. Um, and then also too, like when PGA pros or LPGA pros actually go into the schools and the kids build rapport with, with that pro, then they actually sure. can go to that driving range where they are or a public course or even private club. And they actually can put a face to it now. And they're like, yeah. Oh, you taught me golf in schools. And we've seen that, which is just an awesome experience. So it's an awesome experience. And remind me, uh, Stephanie, how, how young, um, and how old does this kind of kind of like in terms of instruction in terms like how, is there any age limit in terms of in terms of what they do here with playground golf so yeah. Lucas Cohen he's the president and he kind of jokes and says you should start kids in golf as soon as they're walking sure. <laughs> so yeah. it's not really I mean when I was working with him because he also is a part of the start to finish golf academy at the New York golf park so that's kind of the home base uh, right now for the playground yeah. golf foundation we kind of had kids in camps and did free clinics around like five or six, but I kind of follow that model. Like if they can walk, put a golf club in their hand. I know right. my are walking around everywhere with the golf club. Exactly right. Exactly right. My two-year-old, again, I think if you can um, at least rein them in a little bit for a couple of minutes from, from an attention standpoint, right, then uh, why not at least kind of teach them the game of golf? You know, we've got a putting green at home and they can just kind of putt there and um, you know, my, my two-year-old has a tendency to swing a full swing on putting in the green, but it's not, no, we don't really kind of, we don't really kind of allow that, but, you know, listen, let them kind of put things out and, and kind of see how they, how they enjoy the game as well. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, you know, Stephanie, I, I think, you know, with you coming on the podcast and, you know, I think we've been trying to reach out more to women in the game of golf, because I think it's an important topic and, uh, you know, maybe kind of just, maybe in your opinion, maybe kind of break down where you feel like the current state of uh, of golf is for women, you know, where, where would you love to see maybe some improvements with regards to women being recognized in the sport, things like that. I think it's an important topic because listen, as much as, you know, males and, and you know, it's, it's maybe heavily dominated that way, right. In terms of who plays things like that, like women and, and females still love the game of golf as well. And again, you know, that's, that's to be said across the country. So let me kind of just speak to that a little bit. Sure. So I kind of have two segments to this, this question. So on the recreational level, especially with COVID and just over the past few years, women in golf is actually the largest growing segment in the industry. I think it's Amazing. 25 to 30%, which is awesome. To me, that's just and that's beginner golfers uh, coming to the golf course. And I think a lot of that has to do with 
they're finding a group of girlfriends and they actually feel comfortable. And I don't know if that's uh, the clinics being run by either women professionals. I think there's more women professionals actually in, in the industry too, which that's a start and just making it more social and accessible. So that's at least on the recreational side. I think that's a really great stat to look at and hopefully yeah. maintain and keep some of those new beginner golfers, whether it's COVID or if it was a few years ago, keep them in the game and realize that it is actually fun and it's not just for your husbands. Girlfriends and go out, play a few holes. You don't have to play 18 holes, have some wine or have a couple, you know, beers, some shots, yeah. uh, keep it fun. Um, <laughs> again, that's at least on the recreational side. Yeah. Uh, what I see the most on the elite level, university and tour level, I think there's some work to be done. I, I say that because it's dominated. There's no Americans on the women's on the women's tour. And I think a lot of people struggle to relate to that yeah. um, when they don't see Americans. I, I think there's there's more with college. So I actually think college women's golf is a little bit more popular. Just just my opinion. So and I think that I, I talked about this topic with Scott Hasse uh, on the Champions Playbook podcast. We really went in depth on this, but I think it really stems from the culture differences uh, between American and Eastern Asian cultures. Just a little bit more discipline. They have a little bit more grit. They put the time in and the work in and everything that we were talking about, the performance side of it. They're not necessarily worried about looking good. They actually want to play good and win. And, and you don't really see that as much on the men's tour because I think physically some of those factors come into play a little bit more, but yeah. at least my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you know, when you look at kids now, especially if they're like looking to play an elite level of golf, um, there's just a ton of distractions. Let's just, let's be honest. Let's, let's call it what it is, right? Whether that's cell phones, whether that's social media, whether that's socializing with their friends and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. But yeah. Again, if you've got goals and aspirations to play at a high level, then you need to understand sometimes you need to make sacrifices like anything else, right? So if you want to yep. get good at something, then you need to put in the work. That's what it comes down to, right? So um, I think, you know, I didn't know that stat about recreational women in, in, in the game of golf and how it's a huge growing aspect of, of the sport. And that's that's great to hear. You know, we've got clients that are golfers and, and that are women that love to play the sport. And, you know, obviously here in, in, in Western New York, the, the winter has kind of hit a little bit here. And, you know, they're playing in indoor leagues or they're doing whatever they can to kind of just stay in tune with the game of golf so they can kind of play, you know, as, as long as they can, which is really cool to see. Right. That's that's awesome. And breaking down that elitist uh, reputation, like we were yeah. saying. And, and, and much like you said, too, like they're just trying to get they're pulling their friends in and, you know, trying to make it more of a social event because it can be a social event. Like as yep. much as, you know, again, obviously with a lot of the, the, the guidelines and COVID and all stuff that's going on right now, obviously, we need to be mindful of all that stuff. But at the same point in time, there's no reason why you can't enjoy uh, maybe let's like, say walking nine holes if you're in, in a warm climate or something like yeah, that. With even do like like uh, five at five. Um, I I ran clinics like that, like five yeah. holes. Like you can even do five clubs. Um, right. it doesn't have to be time consuming. Eighteen holes, very competitive. So absolutely. Right. I, I, I think that's right. I mean, people, people think of golf, they think, oh, man, I, I don't have four hours to commit to a day, right? I don't have that in my time, in my, in my schedule. And like you said, you don't necessarily need to. Maybe you play a couple of holes and then and be okay with that, right? I think some people either, they're either all in or they're all out, right? Like it's got to be nine holes, 18 holes or nothing. 
And I, uh, I think, you know, again, I used to kind of feel that way, but now if I can get a couple holes in and, and feel pretty good about it and just kind of work on some things in my game, I'm absolutely thrilled about that. <laughs> exactly. I hope the model with country clubs almost goes towards like a, a pay, pay as you play. Sure. Um, I think that could bring more people in. Yeah, no question. Right. And I think it gives them an opportunity to at least dip their foot in a little bit, you know, kind of see what it's like. Right. And not have to be committed to, let's say, nine holes or 18 holes like we're talking about. And you know, just kind of feel things out and see how, how see how they love the game or, or whether or not it's, it's for them long term. Right. Exactly. So, you know, let's let's kind of like, let's continue kind of talking about growing the game of golf. Right. So, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're doing um, the best we can to try and you know, spread the the idea that golf is, is is a sport that can be played by anyone and, and for and it's for everyone as well so you know maybe what are some key things that you kind of look at or maybe kind of focus on with regards to maybe growing the ga game of golf you know locally with you know, what you're trying to do but also maybe across your social media channels things like that sure so i'm going to circle back to the playground golf foundation just with that's an incredible way to grow the game um, not only with junior players i think but it really does it could get the whole family involved Statistically, that's another thing that if the whole family plays golf and the whole family's involved, it's just it's just going to be better all around. More people will play like if, if the mom and dad play. Yeah. Um, and then I just think there's really great programs out there. To me, I'm looking at it, I guess, from a player development standpoint, because that's what's going to keep golfers and players in the game. So there's programs like Operation 36, where you're playing the golf course from the green backwards. It's a yeah. it's a great concept and learning to ultimately score and play the game because the game is not played on the driving range. And that's where <laughs> kind of the traditional clinics take place, more or less, like full yeah. swing when really you still have to learn to score. you got to make that putt and yeah. And that's throwing in the social aspect that we've been talking about too. Yeah. Um, and then in kind of just programs, like I mentioned, like five at five, keep it social. That I think is going to grow the game uh, for women. Yeah. Programs yeah. like that. For sure. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the operation 36 is really cool because like you mentioned, like as much as we want to hit bombs off the tee and stuff like that, you still need to be able to score at some point in time, right? So your short game is going to come into play at some point in time, and it's going to probably rear its ugly head multiple times over the course of a round. So, you know, having kids learn the game of golf from the short game back uh, is a really cool concept. And like you mentioned too, like if more people in the family are playing golf, then I think people are more receptive to that. And, you know, again, my wife plays golf. I play golf. My kids kind of see that. And, they want to be able to kind of be, be a part of that too, which is cool. So I think if it's a family affair, it doesn't have to be immediate family or even just kind of like an uncle or let's say a grandpa or whatever it may be like that can go a long way in helping people feel like they can kind of connect to the game of golf a little bit more. Yeah. And at the country club level, I think there's some things that we can do as professionals in the industry, just with kind of the tee it forward campaign that PGA of America likes because I, I hear a lot from my students just sometimes the embarrassment off of the first tee and people watching and let's not tee off from the first tee. Let's go off in the middle of the fairway or put tee boxes everywhere. I mean, U.S. Kids does this model. It's the long leaf tee system. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of it, but they actually test you on the driving range on your carry distance and whatever your carry distances are the tees that you should actually be playing on the golf course, which makes the game just more enjoyable all around. I think we're a long way off from that becoming um, an industry standard throughout a lot of clubs. Cause I think the ego plays a little part of that, but of I think this is not just women. I think men too. It, 
it could be more enjoyable if we kind of adopt systems like that and just be innovative and willing to change and uh, recreate that elitist mindset. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, breaking down some of those barriers, right, and, and you know, breaking down, quote unquote, tradition, right, because golf is big on tradition and things like that. Like, yep. don't get me wrong, like, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but why couldn't we do something different or, or better if it makes the most sense in terms of growing the game? I think that makes a ton of sense. Because when I play with people and play with the pro events or just casually and they're not making greens and regulation or you have to hit five wood and three wood into every par four, it's just not enjoyable to me. And right. I, that part we can change as yeah. professionals. So. That's awesome. So maybe let's do this before we can move, move forward. Uh, tell us a little about your new position at the, the Golf Performance Center. Um, I, I think, you know, I'd be remiss not to ask you about that. Maybe kind of all the stuff that's kind of going on there. I know it's, it's, it's brand new. So we kind of tell the, the audience a little bit about what's going on there. Sure. Totally brand new. So I'm actually going to start December 1st, but I've been training there off and on for the past year, year and a half in the winters. This is probably one of the most cutting edge facilities I've seen, to be honest, in, in the Northeast, at least. They have sure. every type of technology that you can think of. So they have gears, which is 60 motion. So you pretty much just put sensors on your body and it will show you everything. Trackman, they have a putting lab, they have um, performance coaches. So there's a gym right in the facility Amazing. and then outdoor bay. And then they actually have a uh, par three, like a short or uh, a nine hole, like par three short course. Sure. Um, and then they have a prep school. <laughs> so this it's insane uh i can't wait to start there because talking about breaking tradition and breaking the mold this is the this is the place that does it roger nick is the owner he pretty much dreamed up this facility and it's become a reality and again i can't wait to join the team so the prep school there, circling back to like elite players that's exactly what they train so we're training players to hopefully get a college scholarship or tour level beyond um, they do have adult programming, but the focus is a little bit more on junior golfers and junior sure. players. Yep. Again, I'm really excited to uh, see what it's all about. You know, I think the the integrated model, I mean, you look at the highest level of the PGA Tour and LPGA, like everyone's got a team around them, right? So why wouldn't you put a team around someone who's got, you know, the potential to maybe kind of play at a, at a high level, right? So having a performance coach, whether that's a you know strength coach, personal trainer, having a swing instructor, or maybe someone from a medical background, you know, that's TPI type model. And we always go back to that. Every, I mean, it seems like, you know, multiple podcasts, we talk about this, but you know, that model is so, I mean, it's, it's, it's proven, you know, and I think you know, the more you can continue to put people in the best position to be successful, whether that's at a young age or whether that's in an adult, like, and even like the fact that they have an executive course there, a prep school, like that is yeah. just, <laughs> and again, it sounds like the technology, you're not short on technology either there either. So um, I think that's an awesome opportunity and congrats to, to be able to kind of land that. Yeah, thank you so much. You'll, you'll love this too, because they have five elements of success, which I'll go through their assessment and kind of everything once I start with them. But one of their uh, models is function uh, dictates form which it's so true because you have to put in the work in the gym and corrective exercises to be able to fix the swing mechanics. So sure. it, it's all holistic. I'm, I'm big on a holistic coaching approach, yeah. uh, physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, emotionally, all of that. Those to me are the pillars to success. That's awesome. You know, I think, you know, as much as we can change mechanics and tweak things, we also need to know how the body's moving. 
right? Exactly. We don't know how the body's moving. And then if we expect them to get into certain positions or own certain positions and they can't do that, and maybe we get frustrated, maybe it's because we're not maybe looking at the right thing. So right. I think that's awesome that, again, function is a huge aspect of not only just the game of golf, but just for life in general too, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's do this. Let's let's transition to our what's in the bag segment. So I, I know that you just got a brand new bag. Um, so maybe you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm chopping at the bits kind of here of all, all the specs that you've got. So let's uh, let the audience know a little bit more what's in your bag right now. Sounds good. So I just went on Titleist staff for uh, this new season, 2021. Nice. Um, so I have a full Titleist bag. I haven't gotten all my clubs yet, but I'm very excited <laughs> when they come in. So I have the TSI uh, 2 driver, fairway woods, and hybrids. Uh, they are the Kiro cage, so they're all black shafts. Nice. Um, yeah, the all, the all black looks so good. I will tell everyone out there with fittings. Obviously, the numbers are huge when it comes to fitting, but to me, if I don't like the look and the feel of a club, I'm probably not going to hit it. So sure. that's ultimately up to the player. Yep. So I do want to <laughs> mention crazy. that. Yeah. There's- with irons, I went combo shafts, uh, and like a combo set. So I've never done that before. So I'm excited. So okay. um, my eight iron through pitching wedge is the T100s. Nice. Six iron through seven iron T200s. And then five iron is T400. So it's, we really went custom. So wow, I'm, that's custom. Oh, so, so pumped. And then obviously Titleist has the best wedges on the market, Vokey wedges. So I have 48 yeah. degree, 56 degree. And a 60, I might have to bend them a little bit depending on my gapping, but that's sure. what's in my bag. And I still have to figure out a putter. I, I haven't, I know I, I have a putter. It's uh, I was with Callaway last year, sure. um, but yeah, I mean, I gotta, gotta get a Scotty. You, you gotta get a Scotty, right? If you're a Titleist <laughs> person, you gotta get a Scotty at some point. I know, so gotta figure <laughs> that out. <laughs> yeah. So we upgraded. So again, I, um, my clubs that I had, they were uh, the Callaway Razors. I've had them for 10 years and I needed to upgrade because I was playing more golf. And, you know, so we upgraded. Um, our, our coach at the, the local college and the strength coach at is uh, Titleist, um, on, on staff with Titleist. So he fit us up for the clubs. I got uh, I got the whole bag of T100s. Um, my goodness, what what an amazing uh, upgrade. You know, again, going 10 years, right, of, of, yeah technology is just insane right so um to be able to kind of look down and, and see a little bit more of a forge kind of head versus a cavity back head uh there's just nothing like it the t100s i mean it's just i i, I told um a lot of people like i i need feel and i felt like with the cavity back i didn't get that right like you hit it like it was so so forgiving that like whether if you miss hit it or not you'd feel it a little bit but but not a ton right. t100s they're going to let you know if you hit it right or not. Right. And that's, and that's what I wanted. Right. That's, that's just kind of ultimately how we kind of how we went about feedback. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's awesome that you got a, a full custom fit, like fit bag. That's yeah. You got to get a Scotty at some point in time. I, actually, I, mean, I should be talking. I have an Odyssey putter in my bag. So I, <laughs> maybe at some point in time, I need to upgrade to a Scotty at some point too. My husband, my husband loves it because he gets my hand-me-downs every year when I get new clubs. He's like, oh, I get new clubs too. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's yeah, one of the perks of being with a golfer. Absolutely. No, there's no question about that. I, I, that's, listen, especially if you upgrade every couple of years or, you know, maybe kind of tweak your, your, your set every now and then, never bad to put hand-me-downs for yeah, sure. There is such a difference too, just with the technology though. I mean, obviously getting new clubs is not the end-all be-all. So don't, uh, don't be one of those listeners that um can't hit your driver one day and then go in the pro shop and buy a right. driver right. 
probably go get a lesson first, but it does help. The technology does help. Yeah, no question. It definitely does. Okay, so let's let's switch to our tra- our, our our shotgun round. So what we're gonna do is gonna ask you a bunch of uh, golf related questions. What you'll do is you'll you'll do your best to answer as quickly as you can. If you want to explain your answer, you're totally fine with that too. All right. So how about uh, favorite golfer for you? I gotta go, Tiger. Tiger Woods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a pretty popular answer on, on this podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> All right. So how about a uh, favorite golf brand for you? Obviously, I know you just kind of signed on with Titleist. How about like? Not like clubs, somebody maybe like a golf brand, like from an apparel standpoint or something like that. Sure. So apparel, I think I'm gonna go RLX shoes and zero restriction. Have you have you uh, worn shoes before? No. It's amazing. So it's a little bit more high end and pricey, but it's so. Sure. Worth it. They were originally a ski company, and they broke into golf apparel. It is the oh. most. Sorry, I know this is a speed round, but yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> The most like lightweight waterproof. It's for rain gear more or less. They have everything, yeah. but their rain gear is out of this world. It's so wow. lightweight and and the best. But yeah. Well, wow, it's an interesting transition going from skiing to golf. That's that's interesting. Yeah, because uh, yeah. the wicking material too with skiing, they just kind of. Yeah. I think golfers wanted it, so now I think they like do. A, a natural progression there. Yeah, that's cool. I have to look into that. I that's not. I'm not familiar with that. That's yeah, awesome. It's a cool company. Cool. All right, how about a preferred drink or snack while you're playing? <laughs> so I <laughs> can I say transfusion, but no, really, realistically, <laughs> probably just a Gatorade and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Peanut butter and jelly pretty popular on this podcast. Yeah, I don't, I don't really drink when I play, but if I did, yeah. probably transfusion. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, what's your preference, part three or part five? Part five, definitely more birdie opportunity in my, in my head at least. You get three shots yeah. to the green for sure. Yeah, no question. I, I'm a part five all the way. Yeah. How about cart or walk? Uh, walk with a caddy? Can I say that? I mean, I, I, I walked and carried my bag a lot in college, so I think I love having a caddy and someone else to talk to at this point. So sure. walking with a caddy. <laughs> yeah, walking with a caddy is just incredible. I mean, having the opportunity, if, if again, for those that haven't had the opportunity, like, if yeah. you like, – just do it. You know, you won't regret it and you'll want to do it more often. The best. Down here in the Met section too, we're lucky enough to have like uh, caddy programs. I oh, think nice. one of the only sections that really still has longstanding caddy programs, which offers scholarships and a ton of opportunity to kids, but I digress. It's, it's great. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Nice. All right. So speaking of caddy, what's your favorite movie? Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, I mean- <laughs> That's a quick one. It's, it's yeah, it's so yeah, funny. It's, it's, <laughs> listen, I love Caddyshack, but Happy Gilmore, like you just, you can't beat it. Yeah. All right. How about a favorite golf course for you? So I have a couple. So yeah. Canoe Clipper, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly because it's in Hawaii and it was on the military base. We played that in college. Oh, cool. um, incredible. We came dead last in the tournament, but it really didn't matter because <laughs> we're in Hawaii. And sure. <laughs> that course is great. And if I'm going to say the Northeast, um, I really like Yale and Dartmouth, the Ivy League uh, schools cool. there. But the design is just incredible of those. Nice. Of that's those awesome. Teams, so. Cool. How about a, a favorite golf memory for you, whether that's you uh, personally or working with someone? Like what's what's what sticks out to you? Oh, uh, tough one. Um, in college, we had a team playoff to win a tournament, which is oh wow. So we all had to kind of go out and play match play against our opponent. Yeah. Um, and when are you ever going to have that experience? Right. And then to win. So I think that is the most vivid memory for me. 
for a student, I get that feeling all the time when they hit really good shots and that sound and something actually clicks in their mind. I feel that every time I'm teaching. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it's a cool opportunity to one, be able to see the work that the kids are putting in and the, that what you're doing with the kids or whatever adult you're working with and seeing that kind of light bulb come, come on, like you can't beat that. Yeah, exactly. All right. So who's someone you'd recommend we reach out to be a guest on the show? So my mentor and my personal coach too, who works with me, Scott Hassey, I think I mentioned him earlier on the yeah. podcast. He also has a podcast. It's the champions playbook, but he, that's also a book. I read his book so quickly uh, when he came to speak at one of our uh, seminars down at my old country club at Weburn. Um, and his book, it's different because it's not a traditional golf book. It's thinking your way to lower scores. So Scott can pretty much lower your scores without touching your swing. And that concept to me is very interesting. Yeah, and sure. if you talk to him and read his book, you'll understand. Essentially, the book goes into the architect is really smart and people aren't that good at core strategy. Sure. <laughs> yeah. We're being honest in reality. Yeah. So right. I, I really draw to him and I think he would be a really great guest on your podcast. Cool. I'll have to reach out to him and see if we can get him on. That'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. All right. So Steffi, let's maybe kind of wrap up with some words of wisdom. So, you know, again, maybe regardless of maybe age or experience level, you know, what's something that you always feel like you go back to when it comes to teaching players about the sport of golf and maybe how to improve their performance? Sure. What came to mind when I was reading, when you sent me this question was trust the process. I think that's what I would, I would recommend because you're going to have highs and lows and you're going to get in funks whether it is with your swing or mentally or whatever's going on in your life. And I think you just have to trust the process. If you get a good team around you, we mentioned having that right team, all of the best players in the world have a team and an yeah. inner circle around them. Yeah. So surround yourself with those types of people. Things don't happen overnight. So look at the entire process holistically. What's going on with your body? Is there something that can move a little differently working with a performance coach or working with your golf instructor or golf coach? Like if you can get in that position or, or right. whatever it is, but just trust the process and that will lead to success. Yeah. I think, you know, we're so quick to uh, look for the next tip or look for something or kind of deviate from the process and not kind of stick with it. And when that happens, Maybe you don't see the results that you're kind of looking for. So I think that's, that's great advice. You know, whether that's, we're talking about golf, whether we're talking about injuries, whether we're talking about performance. Um, <laughs> but it, like you said, I think finding the right type of people to set you up for success is, it can't be overstated either, right? Like you got to find the right match. Not everyone's going to be someone who really, like not everyone's going to resonate with someone who's a, a field coach versus like a, like, like a numbers person. Like everyone's got to find the right person and find the right match. And then from there, hopefully kind of develop a plan and structure and framework to be able to put that process to work. Exactly. So well said. So Stephanie, we want to appreciate your time. And, you know, again, we, we understand that, you know, you're busy, you've got a lot of stuff kind of going on, but you know, for those who maybe kind of want to learn more about what you're doing, maybe want to reach out, maybe what, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. So I am Malloy methods on everything when it comes to social media, if you want to um, book, in-person lessons, uh, it will be through the Performance Center, but you can reach out to me through email directly, malloymethods at gmail.com. Yeah, so Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, that's where awesome. you'll find me. 
Awesome. And I would, for the listeners that maybe aren't following her or unaware, uh, she's got some great stuff on, on her social media channels. I would definitely recommend checking her out. Just kind of, you know, scrolling through some of her content. It's really, really great stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Russ. All right, guys. So we will put Stephanie's contact information in the show notes. And then thanks for listening so much to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do, and then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.